0: The reason that I'm able to do what I do is because God puts breath in my body. And God, I'm grateful for all you've done. God, I'm grateful for the grace that you've given me. God, I'm grateful for the life that you've extended our way. And they were grateful and thankful, and they were convinced that God was who he said he was. Welcome to Wesley Amazine Church, where we're working the vineyard through faith, worship, witness, and service. We live in a world that is filled with questions. A world where people have many of doubts. Well, today, Pastor Jones shares a message with us, how we can move from questions to conviction. Let's go into the message. Welcome to Wesley Amazon Church, where we're working the vineyard through faith, worship, witness, and service. We're so glad you've joined us again today, and we continue, as always, to pray God's blessings upon you. We consider it the favor of God that you join us and that you worship with us in our Ministry. Amen. But as always, we like to get to it, so let us get to our text today, which can be found in the Gospel of John. That's the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter. The Gospel of John, the 20th chapter. And we want to begin our reading at verse 24. And it reads One of the 12 disciples, Thomas nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. He said, then he said to Thomas, put your finger to here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Amen. I want to share today from the subject of more questions than conviction more questions than convictions. Let us pray. Most gracious and precious Father, we thank you for this time that we now have in your presence and in your power. And I pray, Father, for you to come in all of your glory. Use this moment, O oh God, for the edification of your people. And I pray, God, that you would bless us through your will. Bless us, O oh God, by your presence. And then, Father, I pray that you would anoint me afresh to be of service unto your kingdom. Fresh, and give me a fresh feeling. And I ask now, God, that you would give me a fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit. Give me that fresh outpouring, O God, that fresh anointing. And I pray now, God, that you would open our ears and help us to listen. Open our eyes, for we want to see Jesus. Then I pray that you'd open our hearts that we might receive him. In the name of the Father, the Son and the blessed Holy Ghost. Amen. More questions than convictions. Today, we want to take a look at the account of a man by the name of Thomas. He's known as Doubting Thomas. And it's amazing that history can have you locked in in a certain place and history can give you a name that will last all because of one event that you might find yourself in. Well, today, as we look at this 20th chapter of the book of John, we find that this man called Thomas has found himself being known throughout scripture and throughout the Christian community, even today as Doubting Thomas. And all of this happened because of some events that took place one evening as he found himself being confronted by the other disciples when they told him they had seen Jesus. But Thomas said, I won't believe unless I see it for myself as I, unless I get to experience him for myself, I won't believe. And from that moment on, he's been known as Doubting Thomas. A question simply means that we have an uncertainty about something or, or we don't understand that thing to the fullest, or, or maybe we don't believe it's true. So when we have questions and and again, questions are not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of times when we have questions it causes us to dig and it causes us to go on a search and a search for knowledge, a search for understanding. And we wind up getting the answers that we need because we had questions. We wind up having a, a, a deeper growth experience because we had questions. But even when it comes to Christians, yes, even when it comes to Christians, we find ourselves also having questions. And yes, some of us have questioned our faith. We've questioned the things of our faith. We've questioned the things inside of our faith. We've questioned maybe the practices of our faith. And there's nothing wrong with having questions, because just like you have questions in the world, when you have questions in the body of Christ, you go on that search. You go on that journey, that faith journey. And you go on that journey in search of evidence of the truth. You go on in a search for the things that will give you that confirmation. Yes. A lot of us as Christians have had questions and yes, some of us have even gone on that journey and that search for the questions that we've had because we want to know the truth. We want to know that what we believe in is real and solid. We want to have a firm conviction of what we believe. So as we have questions in the body of Christ and it's a normal thing for us to have questions, we then go on that search to find out if we have a solid belief or if we do not have the right understanding. Take Abraham, for instance, Abraham found himself questioning how was God going to do this? Now we know the end of Abraham's story, how he took Isaac on the mountaintop and how he was willing to sacrifice his son. But Abraham wasn't always there. Abraham had some faith struggles along the way. Abraham questioned whether or not God was going to do what he said along the way. And as a result of that, Abraham found himself growing because of the challenges that he faced, because of the the questions that were there. And as he continued to walk with God, he he continued to go through the lessons that God taught him. He learned that he could trust God. He learned to have faith in God. In other words, Abraham came to a place where he had a strong conviction about God and about the work of God and about what God was telling him to do. That's why when we make it to the mountaintop with Abraham, he's willing to put his son Isaac on the altar and sacrifice him because he's grown to the point that if God has said it, then God's going to have to make a way. And Abraham says, I'm going to trust the Lord. I've got a strong and firm conviction that God is going to raise Isaac up. If you read over in Hebrews, you'll find that It tells us there that he believed that God was going to somehow raise Isaac up from the dead, even if he sacrificed him on that altar. Yes. Abraham had a strong conviction that God was able to do exactly what he said he would do. Now the question for us today, how do we trade in our questions for our convictions? How do we trade our questions in for our convictions? Well, as we wrestle with the questions of doubt, God provides the faith bridge needed for the strong conviction. Yes, as we wrestle with the questions of doubt, God will provide the faith bridge needed for our convictions. If we're going to overcome our questions and move into conviction, we first must understand that we got to wrestle with the questions. Yes, we've got to wrestle with the questions that we have concerning our faith or whatever issue that we're having. We've got to wrestle with those questions. So, when we don't experience our faith in the ways that others do, we sometimes are left with questions. The questions and doubts began to arise. We must ask ourselves the questions why are we not experiencing the things that others are experiencing? And when we look at the text, we find that the reason that Thomas is not experiencing what the others are experiencing is simply because he was not there when Jesus presented himself the first time. So sometimes it's because we're out of place that we're not experiencing the things that other believers are experiencing. And so we have to begin to ask ourselves, why is it that I'm not in place when other believers are talking about this glorious and grand thing that they've experienced from the Lord? Where was I when all of this was happening? Why did I not find myself in the midst of this service or Bible study or teaching or or this wonderful worship event? Where was I in the midst of all of that? Was I doing something else that was un God related? Uh, was I doing something that was that I thought was extremely important that it caused me to miss out? Or well, sometimes it's simply because we're not in place that we find ourselves missing out on, as we say, the move of God. We find ourselves missing out on those things that will give us a strong confirmation to help us to have a strong conviction. You got to understand that this was the young church and they were still growing at this time. They were still learning on the fly at this time. They were not strong believers that had been traveling with the Lord for 40 and 50 years. These were people who had just encountered Jesus some two or three years earlier, and they were still learning the process of ministry. And yet they found themselves having an encounter with the Lord, except for Thomas. Thomas is missing in action and because he's missing, he's got questions now. Yes, he's got questions. He's got more questions than he does answers. And when I look at Thomas and I began to realize that sometimes in life, I've had more questions than I've had answers. I've had more questions than I've had conviction. Yes. See, when the the word came forth, was he present? No, he wasn't there. When the word comes forth, are we present? Are we there for the word? Are we there that we might be exposed to the word of God and exposed to the teachings of the word of God that we can grow in our faith, thus eliminating some of the questions that we may have? Or maybe we're still having more questions than conviction because we are often again out of place. You see, we create our own standards sometimes, too. When I look at Thomas and, and Thomas begins to tell his other disciples, his other believers that, that are with him, he begins to tell them that the only way that I'll believe is if I see him for myself. The only way that I will believe is if I get to touch the nail prints in his hands, if I get to stick my hand in the wound in his side, what happens is we began to create our own way of confirming things. We began to create our own standard of belief. We began to create the way that we're going to believe. Instead of believing what the other disciples were saying, Thomas said, I've got my own set of rules by which I'll determine whether or not I believe what you're saying. He couldn't simply take the words of the other disciples. He had to have his own standard, his own way of accepting the truth of what they were telling him. Imagine that. People are trying to tell you about the goodness of the Lord. They're, they're trying to tell you about the move of God. But you say, I have my own standard." And unless it passes my standard, unless it passes my test, I won't believe it. How many times would we miss out on the things that God would want us to enjoy? How many of the blessings of God we would miss out on if we continue to walk and govern ourselves by our own standard rather than just believing the word of God simply for what it is? Rather than just believing a testimony that comes from believers that we've been walking with some time. That's another thing that challenged me. How could Thomas not believe the rest of the disciples after he has been ministering with them? After he had been walking with them in ministry, yet now they tell him we have seen the Lord. And Thomas said, I don't believe you. And the only way that I'll believe you is if it passes my standard. If it passes my test, then I'll believe you. Yes, we have to realize from that. We have to understand that some of us won't believe or some people won't believe simply based on what we tell them. Some people we won't be able to satisfy their doubts and their questions. And because we can't satisfy their doubts and their questions, it's going to be simply up to God to be able to satisfy their questions, to satisfy the doubts that they may be having. Now I have to learn and I've had to learn and hopefully you will know by now too, you can't answer everybody's question. Not everybody's going to accept what you have to say. Not everybody's going to accept the answers that you may give. Now it doesn't matter if you're speaking truth or not. They simply just won't accept it. So there's some things that we won't be able to satisfy in the minds of other people. And then that's when we turn it over into the hands of God and we pray for those individuals and we allow God to minister to them in his own way. And as God begins to minister to those people, he'll begin to open their eyes. He'll begin to open the avenue by which they can accept the truth of what we were trying to tell them. But if we notice again, the text does not tell us that the disciples dragged on with a dialogue, trying to engage Thomas to convince him or to make him believe. Now, maybe they did, but the text doesn't tell us that. So we're left to understand that the disciples left it up to God to reveal to Thomas that what they were saying was true. And so we have to understand too. Sometimes it's just up to us to pray and ask God to reveal to those individuals that what we are saying is true. Yes, we can't force feed people the scripture. We can't force feed people the truth. We'll only push them away. So we got to be firm in our convictions, firm in our beliefs, and know that what we say and what we believe in is true and is solid. And we pray for those who can't accept it. We pray for those whose questions we can't answer. And we pray for them that God might open their eyes and that God might come their way in a form that they can understand and in a way that they can accept. And as God opens that door for ministry in their life, and then maybe they will hear the truth of what we have to say. And then maybe they will move from their questions to their convictions. See, again, it's all about moving towards truth. It's all about moving toward a right and correct understanding. It's all about moving toward a stronger position in Christ and a stronger position in our faith. But we have to do so by getting rid of some of the questions and moving closer to conviction. If we're going to move from questions to convictions, we must also understand faith is the bridge to convictions. Yes. Faith is the bridge we must cross in order to get to the land of conviction. we live by faith and we live by faith in God. The Bible says then we cannot please God without faith. So if we're going to move to that place of conviction, that that place where we trust God, the place where we have a strong belief in God and in the things of God, we got to move from questions and doubts to the land of conviction. We must understand that at the right time, God will present opportunities for us to move from place of questioning to move to a place where we have resolution. Yes. To the place where we have a firm and solid decision made about the things that we're going to believe in at the right time, God will present us an opportunity for resolution. Yes, God will present us an opportunity to have a firm conviction on what he is, who he is. God will allow us to have a firm conviction on who he is, but not only on who he is, but the things that surround him. This faith that we walk, our belief in him and our our service in the church, our work in the body of Christ, all of the questions that we have, all the challenges and the doubt that come, we can solve those by walking across the bridge of faith into the land of conviction. When God begins to present us with those opportunities, we've got to see them. Yes, we've got to see that God is presenting us with the opportunities to first of all, move from questions and doubts to conviction. That's exactly what happened for Thomas. Thomas found himself in the room with the other disciples. The first time that Jesus presented himself to the disciples, Thomas wasn't there, but this time Thomas is in the room. Jesus presents himself the second time and Thomas is there and he gets to experience this time, the same thing that everyone else experienced. They got to experience the glorious presence of the Lord coming into the room. They got to experience Jesus Christ in all of his glory in that room. And Thomas was now with them. And Thomas can now experience the same thing that they experienced the first time. And Jesus directly confronts Thomas and says, Thomas, I'm here. Come and, and put your fingers in my nail prints in my hands, come and, and put your hand in my side. But by this time, Thomas doesn't need all of that. Everything that Thomas had put in place saying, I need all of this in order to believe. Now that Jesus has shown up, now that God has given him this opportunity to cross the bridge of faith to to the land of conviction, Thomas makes a declaration. He says, my Lord, I believe. Yes, he believes now. He declares now that he has a conviction about God. He has a conviction about Jesus Christ and he has this conviction now based upon what he's seen. Hallelujah, thank you, Thomas, for being able to have that conviction but I'm more grateful and thankful for being able to have that same conviction without seeing Jesus Christ in person. I'm more grateful and thankful for being able to believe and know that it was the bridge of faith that got me to this conviction. Yes, I didn't have all of the answers and and there were some people that may have asked and they didn't have all of the answers, but God presented me with opportunities to discover, what was true. He presented me with opportunities to come to that place of conviction. Yes, God wants all of us to move from the land of doubt and the land of questioning to the land of conviction. And he knows that this happens only when we cross the bridge of faith. When we put our faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and by faith, we walk with him by faith. We live for him by faith. We serve him by faith. We operate in the community and the kingdom of God. And by faith, we please God. And as we do this by faith, we find ourselves falling under the conviction of our belief. We believe that Jesus Christ is our savior. We believe that he is the son of God. We believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yes, we've come to that place of conviction, but when I look at the text, I understand that I couldn't get past the fact that that Thomas has now got this conviction, but he got it because he saw with his eyes. We don't have that privilege today again, but we have come to the faith because of the testimony of the word of God, because of the testimony of saints gone by. Because of the word that we heard preached or the word that we heard taught, we've come to faith based on the word and the word alone. And Jesus Christ said, blessed are we because we have believed without seeing. But Thomas has moved across this bridge of faith and he's come across into the land of conviction. That's where God wants us and it's time for us to leave this place of questioning and it's time for us to leave the place of doubt. And it's time for us to move over into strong conviction and we move there by faith. We get into the land of conviction by our faith. And if we come by faith and if we serve by faith, God is going to be pleased with us because we have moved from questions and doubt into the land of faith. Yes, questions still may come, but you just keep crossing the bridge of faith and move into the land of conviction. You may have questions come about your faith, but keep crossing the bridge of faith and move into the land of conviction. Move into the land where you're strong and you're firm in your belief in God. Move to the land where you're strong and you're firm in belief and Jesus Christ is your savior. I don't care what people challenge you with. I don't care what opposition comes up against you. Just know that you have been set across into the land of conviction because you cross the bridge of doubt. Yes, all of your questions can fall away if you just move by faith into the land of conviction. But not only do we cross the bridge of faith to get to the land of conviction, we must also know that God has already proven himself. Yes, God has already proven himself. There's nothing else for God to prove to us. He's already proven himself. Jesus Christ shows up and after he deals with Thomas's questions and after he confirms himself to Thomas and, and after Thomas says, my Lord, I believe. Jesus said, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. You see, God has shown up and he's proven himself to Thomas. The question for us is, How many times does God have to prove himself? How many times does God have to show who he is in our lives for us to be fully convinced? How many times must God prove himself over and over again when God has already proven himself? And before we take a look within, let's take a look around us. Yes. Just look around us for a minute and understand that God has proven himself to us through the lives of others. If you know that your, your mother and your your father, they told you about the goodness and the greatness of God. God was proving himself through their lives and their testimony to you, showing you that he could be trustworthy, showing you that you could have a strong conviction of who he is. God was proving himself through your mothers and, and our fathers. And as he proved himself to our mothers and our fathers, he was showing us exactly who he was and he was showing us evidence of his work. In not only in our parents' lives, but also in our lives. Or maybe you have grandparents and a grandmother and a grandfather that told you about the greatness and the goodness of the Lord. Well, that's the same thing as God was showing you through your parents. He was trying to show you who he is. He was trying to show you that you can trust him and have a firm conviction of who he is. And you can trust him in every area of your life. But we let the testimonies of others sometimes go by the wayside. We let the testimonies of others slip by us and it causes us to still have questions and doubt. But God has already proven himself. He's already proven himself to be faithful and trustworthy and sure. God has already proven himself to be a keeper. You see, how many times have God kept you? How many times has God shown you great and mighty moves in your life and you still are not ready to accept what the Lord is doing? See, have we taken the time to see how God has been moving in the lives of others? Have we taken the time to realize that God is moving in our grandparents' lives and our great-grandparents and even in our mothers and our fathers, our aunts and uncles? God has been moving in our friends' lives. He's been moving in the lives of people all around us. And yet we still feel like sometimes that God has to prove himself. God doesn't have to prove anything. God has already proven himself for who he is. And then while we take a look within, yes, let's take a look inside of us and ask ourselves, how has God proven himself in us? How has he proven himself personally to us? Yes. How many times has God answered your prayers? How many times have you got on your knees and you petitioned God for something that you were going through or some issue that you were having and God has answered your prayer. Was that not proving that God was who he said he was? Was that not proving that God was looking out for you? Was that not proving that you could trust God in every area of your life? Well, how many times has he kept you in the midst of danger? How many times has he been there to pay your rent and to pay your bills? How many times has God been a a keeper and helped keep your lights on and he's helped keep food on your table and he's helped keep clothes on your back. Mm -hmm. And in case you said, I've never struggled in my finances like that. I've never struggled because I handled my finances properly. Well, let me ask you this question. Then when was the last time you provided the oxygen that you needed? I'll wait. When was the last time that you were sick and the doctor said that they, there was nothing else that they could do and they had given up and they said, it's out of our hands now. And yet God showed up in your situation and you're still here. Yes, God has shown up in the middle of your situation when the doctor said that they could do all that they could do. And yet you're still here and if you're still here i can hear the words of the saints echoing in my mind i can hear the words of my grandmother echoing in my mind and when they said last night wasn't my cooling board in other words what they were trying to say was I didn't check out of here last night. God kept me through the night. God provided me another day of life. And last night wasn't the night that my body turned cold last night. Wasn't the night that I gave up the ghost last night. Wasn't the night that I ceased to live here on this earth. But last night was a night that God decided to give me life. One more day. Last night was the night that God decided I'll make another day for your son. I'll make another day for your daughter. And as I close, I want us to understand today that we got to make sure that we have more conviction than we do have questions. Yes, today we've gotten too sophisticated and we're looking for the next great revelation. We're we're looking for that next great prophecy but maybe we need to learn a lesson from our, our forefathers and our foremothers. We need to go back to the simpler things in life. We need to go back to that place where we understand that God is who he is. Yes, they had a conviction about God that we don't have today. They didn't have all of the computers and the books that we have today they didn't have all the access that we have today but yet they had a conviction about God like no other yes they were convicted in their minds they were convicted and convinced in their hearts that God was who he said he was and that God would do exactly what he said he would do I know this because I heard the prayers of my grandmother I heard the prayers of the saints of old and they would just pray simple prayers prayers like God I thank you for how good you've been to me God I thank you for the clothes on my back God I thank you for the roof over my head God I thank you for the food on my table. And they've come to that place because God has been a provider. God, I thank you for providing for me every step of the way. God, I thank you for being there for when trouble came knocking on my doorstep. God, I thank you that you delivered me through everything that I've gone through. God, I thank you for being there when I was sick. God, you healed my body. God, I thank you. And they were able to pray those types of prayers and they were convinced that God was who he said he was going to be all because God had already proven himself to them. Yes, they tried to tell us the next generation that every time I put food on the table it's because of God every time I put clothes on your back it's because of God every time you look at that roof that's over your head it's because of God the reason I get up and go to work is because of the power of God the reason that I'm able to do what I do is because God puts breath in my body and God I'm grateful for all you've done God I'm grateful for the grace that you're giving me God I'm grateful for the life that you've extended our way and they were grateful and thankful and they were convinced that God was who he said he was and they were convinced and convicted in their heart to know that God was exactly who he said he was. And he would do exactly what he said he would do. You couldn't shake our grandmothers and and our grandfathers off of their faith. But we're so shaken today. We've got so many questions today. We got more questions than we have conviction. It's time for us to get back to the place where we got more conviction than question. But the only way that we get there is by crossing the bridge of faith over into the land of conviction. And once we get into the land of conviction, realize that God has already proven himself to us and he has nothing else to prove. When we understand that God has already proven who he is, we're going to believe it or we're not. Well, maybe you got questions and you got doubts and you say, what do I do with those? You cross over to the land of conviction by the bridge of faith and realize that if he could do it for my grandmother, he can do it for me. If he can do it for my grandfather, he can do it for me. If he can do it for my mama and my my daddy, he can do it for me. If he can do it for the other saints, he can do it for me. And then be convinced in your heart and in your mind that God is able to do anything but fail. That God is able to see you through any situation. So I pray today that you'll be convicted in your heart. This all be so convinced in your mind to know that God is who he said he is and that he doesn't need to prove himself any further because God is God. I pray that you understand the message today and you realize that yes, you may have questions, but those questions should not outweigh your desire to know God. So I pray now that you would accept Jesus Christ as Lord and savior. Why don't you pray with me? Father, I come to you now I first want to admit that I have come short of your glory, that I have sinned against you. And I pray, Father, that you would forgive me of my sins, forgive me of the wrong that I've done, forgive me of my transgressions. Then I ask, Father, that you would save me. Save me, God, by your power and your will. And I thank you, Father, for your saving grace. And I ask now, Lord, that you would come into my life and fill me with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit that I might be of service to your kingdom. And I ask you now, God, to deal with any questions that I still may have. And I ask God that you would show me, God, through the grace of your Holy Spirit. And I know, God, that you've already proven all that you need to prove unto us. So I pray, Father, that you would help me to have a strong conviction. Help me to cross the bridge of faith over into the land of conviction where I'll be firmly rooted, O God, in who you are. And Father, I thank you again for saving me. I thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins. And I thank you, God, that I've accepted your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. I ask now, God, again, that you would forgive me. Come in, fill me with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We pray that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, drop us an email at wesleyonmain at yahoo.com. That's wesleyonmain at yahoo.com to let us know how this message has touched your life. Until next time, God bless.